0: Uh, Up first though, uh, we have a very special guest in the studio, uh, someone I've been trying to track down and and get in the studio for a while, but she's very busy, as as happens with busy people, they've got lots to talk about and lots of people to talk to, so um, I'm very pleased we've got here, uh, we've got writer, uh, educator, rongo Māori, Arihia Latham, kia ora.
1: David. He He mai po. Uh, great
0: to have you with us. Um, I I feel like I would sort of stumble to try and describe some of the things that you do in in your life, and I wondered if you could maybe just give us just a really quick background. Do you have a kind of Bio at hand, or how <laughs>
1: would you? It. Well, in my line of work, I do have to rummage, up, rummage, rummage through and find a bio for lots of different things, and I think that's the interesting thing about probably all of us, really, is that we're complex beings and we don't just have one thing that we love to do. Uh, so for me, the bio changes depending on mm. what it is I'm I'm framing it for, I suppose. Uh, but I think. I'm probably no different to anyone else out there and that what I'm trying to do is, you know, ensure that there's still a planet for my children. Um, and so that involves some things like, um, you know, mitigating climate change and fighting for social justice, trying to ensure Indigenous rights are upheld. Um Well, peace, I reckon, you know, that's just kind of my main aims. And so I suppose the way in which to do that is kind of multi-pronged, you know, like I feel like we'd all have to come at that from lots of different angles. So that's kind of what I'm doing. Um, So, yeah, I um, am. I started out as a teenager being very clear that I was arts focused and all of my studies became um, focused on the arts, uh, however I was also very interested in science and the body and so I um, wanted to somehow figure out which one of those paths to take and um, I took one because of some life circumstances at the time um, which was to study natural medicine um, but the arts kept on tapping and tapping and tapping in my brain and so I kept painting and drawing and writing as I always had done um, and I think that now I'm getting older um I understand that those things don't have to be separate. I think once I thought that I had to decide or choose between the two and now I know that um, actually if we're working towards those things that I talked about around kind of, yeah, bettering our, our, our world in some way, um, there are so many avenues to do that and I think I really love the fact that we can do that through environmental action, sustainability, um, education uh, and the arts, um, and so um, I think that's where all of my my interesting avenues kind of come together. <laughs> and I feel less like I'm wearing lots of hats, and more like I'm just showing up. And this mm. is kind of just all of the different skill sets I've gathered in my career so far.
0: That's amazing. I, I don't think I've spoken to anyone who's sort of um, framed it like that—that that, that I'm here for, for climate justice, social justice things like that, and and then everything else flows out of that. Um, Maybe if we could just jump onto one of those things from the kete that you mentioned um, and talk about some of your writing. So you, um, I mean, I think I mainly know you as as a poet, um, but I know you're also kind of an arts reviewer. Could you maybe talk about some of your your own sort of creative writing that you've done? Mm,
1: Yeah. Um, I think poetry is always my love. It's the thing that um, I've probably written for the longest. So, you know, as a teenager, was furiously writing journals and journals of poetry, which is probably terrible and I'll never want to read again. But um, it hasn't been a choice, I think, is is the interesting thing, is that, you know, um, I read something about poetry as being the most efficient or um, economic creative output um for those that might not have the privilege or the status of their life to mean that they have space to be able to have a studio or create in other Mm. ways and I think I've really felt that at times in my life when I've been bringing up small children or you know really not had enough money to support and so I needed to work full time or whatever, and so um often the writing would happen um, in short bursts sometimes on my phone while I was breastfeeding a baby or sometimes mm. in the middle of the night when I woke up with an idea um and so having um, the ability to write a quick stanza or um, a piece of prose was was a way to um transform that and you know so I look at my kitchen and there's sort of receipts with scribbled poems on them and things like that. Um, yeah, often it just kind of comes to me and I and I have to somehow let it out. Um, So I feel like it's been less of a choice and more of just something Mm. that has to exist in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as the reviewing um, goes, I never thought I'd be a reviewer. I do not consider myself a reviewer. (laughs) I don't know how I ended up being even asked to review. And so um, I am going to be running a workshop through Wahine actually um, on June the 13th and that is around being a reviewer. And I think partly I'm stepping into that space to explore that because... I like to think that reviewers don't have to be critics and Mm -hmm. that if we are there absorbing something, we're actually holding it up to the light and we're saying, look at this wonderful thing. Um, And maybe if we don't like it, we don't need to say so much about it. I think is um, the way that I lean into the outs. I don't particularly like to be critical or Pull people down um, mm. But I really love to, to Strengthen and lift people up So um, if I've seen something that I love Then I want to talk about it And I want to say why I love it And often I will relate it to um, All kinds of other aspects Of the art world Which are Supporting it, and often I will end up writing about environmental issues and social justice issues within it too, because inevitably they're always linked. so mm. I think again, it's just that wonderful weaving of life that happens um that to me reviewing art isn't isn't separate it's it's kind of again it's looking at the way we express ourselves politically uh, we, the way that we talk about the difficult things in our lives and um, the way that we show the way that we view the world and um so being able to to step into an artist's space or creativity or their process for a minute is a real privilege
0: Mm. yeah that's really fantastic i wonder if we could maybe step into your space a little bit and if you might have something you'd like to share uh something that you've written
1: yeah sure um I thought I would read, um, this is a poem that I I wrote for Matariki last year and that was obviously a strange time because we had um, quite a a home-based time but Mm. I'd also had a little bit of a tricky year um, and I was with my children at home on my own through lockdown so I think perhaps this poem was from that time Um, and so yeah, I'm going to read Um, read this and it is just entitled Matariki. Rocks lie dormant in my abdomen, four plaits are woven from leaden limbs, unraveled with the careful fingers of nothingness. No one pushing and whining, critiquing and complaining, constraining my lips into a militant line, no energy for the pushback of a pukana, no warmth for the upward tilt of a smile, until the noise of the past and the future is muted with quiet breath, from a queer whispering to her mukupuna, to find both are in my bones, marrow rich and sweet feeding, an upright tilt in my jaw, an arch in my neck, the stream of ventricular contraction in my sternum, raising my eyes skyward to the milky wash, cataracts of the dark, feigning confetti, the earth shaking me forth a seed, to push on, to unfurl from my call, to flower like a novice, to copy the stars.
0: Yeah, great. <clears throat> um, I kind of wonder if, y- you've maybe touched on it a little bit, but I wonder if you could maybe speak to other people who, who might be considering writing or, or how could they sort of... Uh, Yeah, is there a way that you find that you can tap into what you want to say? Um, Yeah, any advice to to other writers?
1: Mm, I think part of it is trusting yourself and trusting you have a voice that has something interesting to say or even just something that other people will relate to. Um, I have often felt that sort of voice of doubt saying, "Don't, don't bother writing that because or don't bother putting it out in the world. And so I suppose they're kind of two different things now, aren't they? Because sometimes we're just writing for ourselves. And so that's what I'd encourage people to do, is just write for yourself, just write and write and write. And maybe you'll decide that there's something you want to share. Um, And if you don't, that's okay too. But if you do, then you'll probably find that other people will connect because we're human. Mm. And sharing the way that we view the world is often a really uniting experience. Yeah, so I think slow down, take time. Right, yeah.
0: I know that you were you were recently in Auckland for the Writers Festival up there. Um, what were you doing?
1: Um, yeah, it was a really um, exciting time. Uh, Ruby Sully, who happens to also be my cousin, she had um, the the great um, position of curating uh, the Māori um, Oro program, and so she. Um, Brought a bunch of us up with her And we got to uh, participate in a number of different events um, The ones that I did was a, a cool um, poetry event up on K Road um, At the Green Dolphin Bookstore Where I was reading poetry about my inner demon Based on Philip Pullman's um, Animal Demons So mm-hmm. that was, that was a, a really crazy kind of event With lots of strange creatures coming out of the woodwork um, And then... The following night, um, we were in Ngā Orohou, which for me was the highlight. It was um, a performance piece um, where Ariana Tikau and Ruby Sally were playing Tonga And we, and when I say we, that is um, them and me and Anahira and Day and, uh, and um, Tusiata Avia, Beki Manawatū, Esaranapiri um uh, We all were able to read um our poetry. Um and it was alongside the tracks of Tonga and with live Tongapuro playing. Mm. Uh and I think, you know, um we had two well, two Occam winners up there on the stage mm. with us, but Susiata Avi had just won won the Occam for her poetry book wow. two nights before. And mm. so I think I don't know, oh I don't know if this had an impact on her performance, but she was just she brought I think she lifted us all up into this place of like really performing because her performance I don't know if you've ever heard her perform her poetry, but it's just very incredible. Um she whispered her entire poem. Um and it was just sent chills up everyone's spine. And so I feel like in a way when I heard her at rehearsal I was like, Yeah, we 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 need to level up and so mm. um it felt like just such a privilege to be alongside them uh, and being able to put on such a a great piece. I feel like we started with Hine Ahuone at the beginning of time, the first human created by Tane Mahuta and uh, that was my poem and we moved through all kinds of destruction and (laughs) rebirth and uh, it was... It was ended with us all singing a Mawayata that Ruby and Ariana had composed, and so uh, it just felt like a very special night together. Mm. Yeah, and then the following day, I got to interview Ruby and Ross Kalman and Becky Manuatu and I got to interview them about what it was like to be writing about our tupuna um, and sort of the the pressures around that, the hard things, the great things. And mm. um, so that was also a really powerful session. And so yeah, I felt very, very grateful, and I got to see some really amazing sessions up there too. Uh, not as many as I wanted to, mm-hmm. but I still felt very grateful for being in that uh, wonderful creative space. That mm. was a great festival.
0: That first event you mentioned, what a phenomenal lineup! That's outrageous. Um, totally.
1: Yeah, I was was lucky.
0: Yeah, and I guess for listeners here in Porniki, uh I mean, I, I know a lot of those names, at least through seeing them at um, things like Letcrawl. Crawl. So I guess that'll be coming around again, I'm hoping. Or well, Verb Festival. That's right. In, Verb uh, Festival is November. happening in November.
1: Yeah. Uh, and so, yes, a lot of us are based here in Te Whanganui Atara. So we will be in Verb Festival in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and I'd love to be able to recreate Ngāhoro Oroho at some stage for Wellington mm-hmm. audiences as well. I think it would be really great to get us all together again.
0: Mm hmm. Cool. Um, Another thing that I know that you do or are involved in is um, Rongoa Māori. I wonder if you could just give a a bit of a quick background to people who might not know what that is um, or what it involves.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, So Rongoa Māori is the traditional Māori medicine uh, and that can encompass lots of different ways of treating people, um, uh, particularly rakaurongoa which is using plant medicine Um, and so that's something that I particularly work in. I trained as a naturopath and a medical herbalist and um, studied Ayurvedic medicine as well when I was in in, in study but I really found that I wanted to frame that through um, our traditional Māori knowledge um, and looking at the the key diseases that were affecting Māori at the time that I wrote that was diabetes, heart disease and asthma so I really wanted to look at how to try and um, support the treatment of those Issues for Māori um, By going back to our our Original knowledge And so My process was interesting I was writing a research paper On that topic And Went and spent time With a number of Tohunga and practitioners Of rungoa Māori And I was looking And thinking About You know What the word You know Rungoa is And you know We think about the word rungo It means to Listen or feel Or sense And I really think that ultimately, that's what my teachers were trying to encourage me to do. They weren't ever sitting down and saying, "Well, this plant does this, and it has this, and this, and this, and these properties," which is like how our our modern brains like to take in information. And I wanted to have, you know, things I could cite and um, a bibliography full of references. And and it was not the, at all the way people wanted to teach me. And I'm really grateful for that. I was told often that I could not write anything down. I was told that what I needed to learn was to listen to the trees and to tune into Papatsuanaku. And that's a pretty intense sort of flip from doing something, you know, an academic study. Um and it was great unlearning for me, it was great relearning. And I think over time I've really understood that that it's it's not only just about the fact that plants actually have this ability to alter the chemical and hormonal uh and emotional makeup in our body. Uh, you know, they can increase hydrochloric acid, they can kill pain, they can um stimulate labor, they can, you know, soothe heartburn. It's incredible that plants has have this ability. And I suppose from a Dalmati perspective, that's because of Fakapapa, that's because of when plants were created in the the line of our evolution. Uh, and so, you know, without humans, everything else is pretty fine. You know, plants are fine. They don't need us. But without mm. plants, we can't exist. And so it's this really nice reminder, too, of where we sit in the line of things. Uh, so I've written e- recently written an essay around this for bulletin magazine for Christchurch Art Gallery mm. um, around Lonnie Hutchinson's um, upcoming exhibition, which is looking at rungoa, uh in – in spaces and so she's creating artwork around that and I've written an essay around my perspective on what that looks like Mm. Um, so yeah I thought I could also read a little bit from that if you'd like
0: please please do
1: so Lonnie Hutchison talks about Runguai as being human made and as much as paper is human made from plants or aluminium cladding is made from the bauxite in the earth she carves the shapes of leaves into builder's paper and aluminium, aluminium, aluminium and we're asked to step with her into Te Whare Tapawha, the house of healing. Mason Jury designed this whare with a pillar for our tinana, our henengaro, our Waidua and our Fano, and it is these things that I feel Lonnie is asking us to notice in her deconstructed rungoa built of the elements, built of the earth, built from our whakapapa. When we talk about this tension of human-made things, it's a fine line because we as humans like to take credit for a lot of things. In fact, Roa is really just something we discovered we could utilise that already already exists because of Whakapapa. And it is this tension I can sense Lonnie is unpacking in her work. One of the most beneficial ego-busters is the knowledge of Whakapapa. Knowing who you come after helps us to make sense of why we still suck so hungrily from our environment and ultimately don't have much to offer back. We are the portiki of creation. When Papa Tuanuku was clothed with the forest, the trees in turn oxygenated the atmosphere. Then Hini Ahuone was formed from clay by Tāne Mahuta. Her breath was the first to draw in that new element, the first to exhale her koha back. Her lineage went back to the stars. Rehua, Tingaangana, Puanga are all relatives that present her stars. From her, our bodies were crafted from the elements of earth, water and space. Hydrogen, oxygen, carbon, nitrogen fill every cell. Our whare basically houses the table of elements. It begs the question, why aren't we better descendants?
0: Um, It feels quite difficult trying to uh, follow that up with a question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But people might know Lonnie Hutchinson. Their work is, um, you sort of alluded to it, cut out shapes and corrugated materials. That's right.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's a, a... Beautifully prolific artist Who has mm. been around for a number of years And and I love The way that she thinks And um, yeah, produces This work that is often Thinking about all of that all of That, that I just wrote about, but yeah Creating her take on it, which is mm-hmm. As I said, you know, um, these things are not Separate mm-hmm. They're often so interwoven, aren't they? Um, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I also I Lecture medical students, fourth year medical students I have done for the last ten years, so they only get one rungo lecture in their, their course of study but I really try and I suppose offer them something different from what they're getting in the rest of their course around allowing them to taste medicine and to hear stories um, and sort of, I guess, demystify some of the the overly scientific um, medicalized content that they have in a lot of the rest of their course. And you know, the intention for that is to ensure that when... Māori are in hospitals. That there is more space for tikanga and mm. for being able to take rongoa, because doctors have some knowledge of it, because they're not scared of it, and so it's this interesting bridging of the gap. And I really love that. It's a really nice way to work. And um, more and more so, doctors that are coming through, they're inspirational. They they realise that it's all one and the same. You know, they're acknowledging that it's it's healthcare. And that's really cool to see.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I think we might uh, be coming to the end of our kōrero, but I I wondered if it's not too late, if if we could talk a little bit about um, your work with Enviro Schools as well. Um, Yeah, what does that involve? What what is Enviro Schools?
1: Well, I was first asked to come and run rungoa workshops for children by Enviro Schools. So they knew that I was running these workshops in the community. And so they asked if I could come and develop something that would be appropriate for children. So I was going into schools and working with kids around a few of the plants and we'd go and plant them in their school grounds or somewhere close by in a community garden. Uh, And it was amazing watching children just latch on to uh, the uses and remember them, like I'd come back months later and they'd still remember. Uh, so that was how I started um, in Enviro Schools and then that developed into I guess being asked to do a few more things and they offered facilitation training for me which I, I took up and so it's become more and more a part of my work now and I'm yeah, I'm really excited to do it. What, the way that I work with Enviro Schools is I'm working a lot with mana and connecting schools with mana whenua, running wananga with them so that we are really hearing mana voice around the way schools are, I guess, teaching te reo and tikanga and holding things like pōwhiri or um, blessing new rooms and and um, ultimately just ensuring that they're supported in a really te Um So that's that's part of what I do within the Enviro Schools programme now as well. And again, it's about that sustainability of of our culture um, as well as of our precious environment.
0: Mm. Fantastic, um, thank you, Ada, here for coming in. I've, um, yeah, I'm feeling really great, speechless actually. So about <laughs> um, everything you've spoken about, it's been wonderful, and it's been great to kind of see that uh, just how the different aspects of, of our life, you know, yours in this instance, um, can really fit together and, and make something really beautiful.
1: No, oh, thanks so much for having me. It's been great.
0: Yeah, um, we're just going to finish up with a song uh, by. Ruby Sully, did you want to just give a little intro to this one?
1: Yeah, well, uh, this piece is called Koko and Koukou is our ancestor. She is our great-great, well, my great-great-grandmother. I think Ruby might have one more great in there because she's <laughs> maybe my my kid's generation. But um, my daughter is also called Koukou, so and it is the call of the ruru. Um, and it's a really special thing that... My beautiful cousin makes this beat music, so I thought that we could listen to the song entitled Coco.